So, hi guys, and welcome to our next edition of our live interviews. So, today I'm interviewing Luke O'Mani of Integrative Health. Uh, delighted Luke came in to join us in ATP and just continuing our mission to educate and help kind of debunk all the myths that you might have. So, we're going to have a discussion here and we hope you enjoy it. So, Luke, thanks for coming in. I just want you to introduce yourself and let people know who you are, who might not know who you are. Um, so yeah, name is Luke Omani, um, personal trainer, well, was a personal trainer for three years, um, background in business management with like formal education per se, um, worked as a full-time personal trainer and then made a transition into online solely, so at the moment I set up Integrative 11, 10 months ago, so it's solely online, just coaching based, same as personal training, just without the face-to-face aspect, programming, nutrition, Mentoring, all that type of stuff. Just again, it just takes the face-to-face element out of it, and just check-ins weekly, that type of stuff. You do the same thing we're here with your nutrition side of stuff. It's just no face-to-face per se. Yeah. Just, just I suppose on the business side of stuff, uh, to touch on that quickly. How did you find when you moved to online and dealing with clients? Did you find you had to adapt to the yeah. new online strategy? Yeah. yeah. Well, like as I said, I've been fully online for like three, four years now, so I'm well used to it, but. When I first made the transition, because I literally, I didn't slowly, like, graded exposure, like, start putting two, three clients online and then move. I literally went from all PT one day to the next day, all online. Um, due to a change in roles and a change in careers, um, which I was offered, it simply was just within 24 hours of change, um, which was obviously um, quite daunting. But the biggest thing which I found, as we just touched on there, like, a second ago before we started recording, was that... Um, personal trainers and the thing with online is that it's perceived as a luxury and you're on a beach sipping a cocktail on your laptop wearing like I really truly believe that the three four years as a full-time personal trainer building the groundwork of communication skills empathy skills of clients was massively helpful and I think if I didn't have that going into an online coach based scenario I would find it massively difficult because like coaching PD and someone as you know face to face you can empathize with them you can understand their emotions whereas like emails text it's black and white it's a lot harder to get messages across and stuff and i found that that groundwork certainly helped like and that, like that's like that's like the coaching people i suppose we, we both know that it's way more than just nutrition though than yeah. just training there's other yeah. aspects and stuff like so when someone comes to you do you look at their overall lifestyle overall health as as an approach and as a like questionnaires and trying to get into their their, yeah. their mentality their side of things yeah so that's why like when i set up integrative the whole ethos behind the brand and behind what the name the color the logo everything is integrative health and that everything we are not like i found that like a lot of times when i was coaching and PTing that people kind of get this reception that we're two different systems of like or a few different systems of like psychology physiology and that they work separately whereas like integrative health is about everything as combined as one entity do you know your behavioral change your psychosocial factors your nutrition your mentality your stress levels all that stuff is health and that's why i wanted to get across with integrative health not just what you eat and how you train but you know when you go home um you know your absence of disease all that type of stuff and how self-confident you feel yourself that is all under the big umbrella of health so i suppose like on that the health for me is something that we should all be striving for health is different for different people uh but the obsession that is there at the moment uh, especially among the younger people and or even ourselves instagram yeah of this perfect body image okay yeah. so chasing the perfect body image and like i've done photo shoots you know i've done competitions yeah you, know, you you've done cuts you know yeah. you know yeah. drill yeah you've done cuts for people yeah but the body image that we're chasing there now that we think is perfect mm. that's not necessarily health is it 
No, like from a theoretical direct perspective, it's actually like the direct opposite of health. Like pushing yourself to that boundary is, it's not healthy at all from a physiological, social, um, psychological perspective. You obviously know you've been, you've competed before and stuff. Getting to that lean, there's nothing healthy about that. And I suppose, I think that's mainly down to a filter bubble style effect of like, obviously within the realm of fitness industry, it has to be, social media is big like, I mean, you for like I know there's people out there say like, it's not all relying on social media, it's not at all. Um, I don't have a huge following at all. I built a solid business, you have an unbelievable business. You know, we don't have a big following, so it's not everything, but it is still very important. And I think the realm of fit fam and like fitness Instagram, that filter bubble effect just solely condenses it to regards to an aesthetic outcome and kind of slightly disregards the health outcome. Because it is like when you're following these people and they're putting up about their cuts and their photo shoots and everything like this, you can quickly get absorbed into just that aspect and like associate or correlate that with health when there is so much more to it, like, you know? And like, I suppose the issues I see is that when people come, I'm assuming you see the same, is that they come in thinking, I'm going to get ripped or I'm going to, and like, I'm going to lose two stone very quickly because I've seen this person do it. Yeah. And it's like, when you bring it back to what I call general population people, yeah. the majority of our clients will be, when you bring it back to them people, it's trying to get them to understand that small health markers improving is the way forward. Yeah. But if you've been ingrained in thinking you have to look a certain way, like how do you deal with clients when they say, I want to look this way, but they haven't looked at the foundations of stuff like being honest, I just be brutally honest with them. There was a point when I first started out, when I was like, try work around them, do like Play-Doh, try just get them started, mold them a bit. But if they come to me with very poor health markers in place, first of all, like say some gen pop comes to me and, or comes to you or comes to us, let's say, and you've obviously had this before and they're like, oh, I really, I'd love to do a photo shoot, but you know, they're working 60 hours a week. They smoke five, ten fags a day. They're stressed off their mind. They drink on weekends. They have poor nutritional habits. They don't sleep. All this stuff. Then it's up to me, I feel, as a coach, to be like, absolutely not right now. You know, I feel like that's just my duty that they're paying me, to be honest. Yeah. Because although I do, like, per, from my personal coaching perspective, I like to build a really good community, like relationship with my clients, almost to a personal aspect of, like, I have crack with them and all this stuff. I still have to put myself in a coach issue sometimes. Like, look, that's not feasible. Yeah. Because... Going back to day one stuff that everyone learns in PT school and in courses is that realistic goals. I mean, like if you're coming and we want to do a photo shoot in 10 weeks, there's probably people out there that can do that, but I'm not that guy. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I would rather get your health markers in place first, play a long-term game and then get there. Yeah. So I suppose, I, again, I, come, I talk from personal experience, like I don't regret doing competitions yeah. and shows and stuff, but I understood what was happening in my body. I feel there's people, especially younger, younger people going into shoots unless they have a coach who's telling them straight out and they're going hell for leather, dieting unbelievable, training really hard, hitting the photo shoot and then just rebounding completely and being lost. Like, I see the mental aspects of it, you know. And yeah. when you go, you go photo shoot is the extreme, but even if you see people for a holiday come in and they go six weeks, eight weeks of their perfect and then they go on holidays and then they, they come back and, and it, for me, it's the mental aspect of that yeah. that I find exactly. is, is always trying to get into somebody to go, we have to start looking at 12 weeks, six months, yeah. a year from mm-hmm. now. Like, is there, as humans, is there a way that we can kind of, you know, get into that? Or is it a case of, like, six weeks is just what people are? I think, see, although I use them, and, like, again, going back to what I said with the filter bubble cell effect, I think transformation pictures, and although, again, they're a handy marketing tool, I use them, um, they're important, without a doubt, but I think it's the buy-in of the outcome, sole outcome of what you see there and neglecting the process 
is what people buy into. Yeah. As like there, I see that and I want there, so let me get into it. Yeah, yeah. Where you're like, you know, that might like over half my clients have been with me over a year, like you know, right. and like obviously I get people that come twelve weeks on and off stuff like yeah, that. Exactly, but like with that, it's just like you have. To, I re- try to reinforce the fact that of the process that stuff. Yes, the outcome is the end goal, and when you come into a consultation, it's like I want to get to have just even like for some people it may just be simple i want to see my abs okay like absolutely nothing wrong with it if that's your goal yeah. for someone who's never had that before but like you first i'd ask them why do they want it if it's important enough and then reinforce the process and play the long game as i was saying yeah. and even if it's a photo or something like that as you said like i see it all the time people going on holidays and they blow up or they look as a diet as in a mindset perspective look as a diet as a sole means to achieving that outcome and then they stop. Yeah. Whereas, like, w- with someone, I'm like, okay, I want you to think as this, like, I can keep these habits up on holidays, enjoy myself. And I even put in my story yesterday, I came back from holidays, like, going on holidays and stuff, shouldn't be an expect, or even a shoe, whatever it can be, it shouldn't be an expectancy to gain, like, 10 pounds straight away, like, because that's a reflection of your nutritional habits and where you are at your mindset. And you know that all the stuff you did, regardless of how many hours a carrier did, it probably wasn't suited to you yeah. because your mindset with that is not sustainable. I think I, I call it the the seventy year old mindset. So what I tell people is like, when you start training, when you start dieting, look at it as you should be like in my opinion exercising regularly till you're seventy, if longer if you can. Yeah. So treat your training that way. Exactly. So don't go training six seven times a week absolutely flat to the mat because yeah. you know you won't get that up. Yeah. Same with your nutrition. So your nutrition, if you come in and you change all your nutritional habits, it's like for the rest of your life, are you going to eat this way? Probably not. Now if you want to get a bit leaner for a holiday, understand that. Yeah. What I'm saying yeah. it's you no know, from the overall health side of things. You have to start looking longer term. Yeah. Whereas we have this yo-yo diet effect. And I said this, I also said this before, it's, like it's what really kind of keeps us in business sometimes. Exactly, like, it know, is, yeah. People coming and going. But like, do you feel there's a point where it's flipped? So it was just training, it was just nutrition. Mm. And now well, we, like, we understand now there's a lot more involved. Yeah, stress, yeah. there's sleep, there's mindset. Do you feel that people are very hesitant to look at the mindset stuff, the stress stuff, do you know? Yeah, I think like, I think there's like a crossover and that we are kind of getting out of the realm of it's not just what you eat and you know that classic reductionism kind of style of people just need to eat less and move more like we know it's not just that like I mean that's just fairly arbitrary advice to give someone but I think there's also a crossover that some people can push it too far into like a holistic approach as in like you need to go out and um, take your socks and shoes off and you lose fat and you need to do a backflip every morning at 6am you know all this stuff where okay, it might add 0.00001% to the people that have everything else nailed, yeah. but the fundamentals will always overrule everything. Yeah. Um, but it, that tra- I really like how the industry has slowly come out of, although it will always be primarily heavily aesthetic-based, starting getting more health-focused as well into the other aspects of yeah. not just physical health, but mental health, um, social health, you know, all that type of stuff that comes in with and helps with physical outcomes then. Yeah. I definitely think that you touched on it, the other social health side of things. Mm. If you are dieting excessively, like, you know, your social life takes a massive hit. Oh, yeah. Uh, and people underestimate that, that, you know, if you're not being able to go with friends and be able to bring in, like, not do the dog, but even once a week, uh, jumping yeah. a meal into your plan yeah. and stuff like that, like, that's how we should be approaching any weight loss yeah. plan, whatever, like, you know, that you can just walk it in. Yeah. So, like, on that side of things, like, you know, being able to walk things in, you know, for, even when you're on a fat loss plan, mm. The science and, and the, the confusion, like, uh, let's just touch on calories in and calories out. Uh, I think it's everywhere now, everyone's posting yeah, about yeah. it, and you know, it's, it's what the norm is. Clients, and I know from personal experience, clients are still very much 
trying to look at other things yeah. than calories. It is way more than just calories. 100%. But the basic fundamentals, which I say, I always say this, in 10 years' time, I could be speaking differently about yeah. science, could have yeah. advanced more, yeah. but right now it's energy balance. Yeah. It's controlling that. Uh, how do you get that across to your clients? What's your takes on people who calories in, calories out, I might battle calories in, calories out and say it's other Yeah, things. yeah, I know. I suppose that all started with that, with that James Smith influencer guy because yeah. he, like, he, see, the thing is, there is, what I find is, like, I'm not saying this about him because he's a very knowledgeable guy and he puts out some great content, but, like, superficial knowledge on a topic paired with very low confidence and high confidence can be dangerous, you know? So, like, someone who knows just the basics has very high confidence in putting out content um, not to bash influences or anything, but a lot of them do, um, but a very low understanding. Because they have such a large audience, and especially within fitness, that can be dangerous. But like, if there is people doing that and the message is right, then calories in, calories out, it, it's not wrong. I mean, there's no one can argue it is what it's about, but it's, again, going back to what we said with like health and progressing off the different thing, calories in, calories out, um, I can't remember the exact statement now, but there's a statement and it was like it's a relative variable based on like neurological microbial social factors so it's yes it is the primary principle of weight and fat loss but it's influenced by a lot more it's influenced by how you view it again just going back to the mindset side of things if i give you a mars bar and do you view that as calories in calories out or do you view that as a cheat or a treat mm. those two simple labeling terms can mean massive different things and they can have a massive different outcome because someone eats a Mars bar and they're like, I fit it into my calories for the day. 90% of my diet is well-controlled, nutrient-dense and tailored towards my goals. That's perfectly fine. No guilt. Yeah. Or you give it to someone and they're like, oh no, I, I definitely, I just absolutely did the dog in it and I have to start again tomorrow and they're riddled with guilt. I may as well go the rest of the night and eat other stuff now. That, that some, something so simple as I say to people, the food labeling say things can have a massive outcome. Yeah. So I think getting the foundation, as you said, the foundational aspects of the principles, like being, like not going into too sciencey stuff of the exact mechanisms of fat loss or anything like that, but the simple stuff and then nailing the mindset stuff around that is very important. But also kind of teaching clients and population of content that it's not just about that either yeah. because there's other variables. But if we did teach people on how to grasp the mindset side of things with the calorie side of things, and also just touch on the other stuff, I think we'd be doing very, very well. I agree. And I, I also think, like I've, I've said and I've done a bit of writing on, I always say, I use calorie counting as flawed, yeah. but it's the best we have right now. Yeah. That's how I see it. Because like, people will kind of nail it and it's like, oh, yeah, it's excellent this gives you this, you know, this variable of calories, whatever. But, like, but if you work out your calories, whether it's the right amount or not, there's a, if you follow this for a period of time, you'll figure out back and forth. The yeah. issue is people don't follow it for yeah. 7, 14 days yeah. to figure it out. Like, you know? So I do hope down the line I said it's key in a lot that there's another way of like it is creating the energy balance but it's just a better way because yeah. it is it can be confusing for the real general population 100%. a new person coming in yeah. trying to figure out about calories and we've been bombarded even though people say it's the 90s like it was in the 90s it's very much still now mm. the evil carbohydrate still has this fear factor amongst yeah. everybody I'm going to cut my carbs like can you explain a little bit as to why that's still there maybe in your opinion and like get people across that, you know, it really isn't the carbs, but why they might think it is. Yeah, I mean, a few years ago, I would have put this down. I had an interview, like, I did another podcast on this, and I got asked a similar question. And I suppose it kind of stemmed from the whole 80s and 90s of when food, in, especially in the US and around food processing 
um, they change a lot because it used to be thought that fat, low fat, obviously equals fat loss, and then they changed that to sugar equals fat gain. You know, whereas like if you got into the science of it, it takes and like it again, it all does come down to calories in, calories out, and carbs, sugar is a carb. It doesn't just relate to sugar. Now, massively excessive intakes of sugar can directly lead to fat gain, but only if the fundamental of calories are excessed. So if you're eating over your daily calories of sugar, possibly yes, they can be converted to fat. But again, it all comes down to calories. But um, I think that the whole car- I was even on um, it's funny you say I was on an, um, a big Cork athletes um, Instagram this morning and they posted something and it was like um, they were associated with some meal company and uh, won't get into name names and they said, oh brilliant whatever protein sugar and very low carb. So they were advocating it as low carb, and this person's a massive following, like, yeah. and again, it's just these messages that, like, it's like, for an athlete training that much, you do not, like, not even, do you not need that, yeah, but exactly, yeah. to be conveying that message then, I think it's just related back to the whole thing of, like, the carbohydrate insulin model of, like, people thinking that carbs, again, solely go to fat. Like, yeah. I've had clients come to me, like, um, or they've been, like, four or six weeks in, and they've been, like, I'm thinking of my try low carb. And I'm like, cool, perfect, why? And they're like, oh, just to help lose some fat. Okay, why? And they can't explain it to me. Yeah. And I'm not being, saying that being arrogant, but I'm just then that's my role to come in and be like, look, it's about your overall energy balance is good. You need carbs because you need to fuel your exercise. If you are more efficient in exercise and getting carbohydrates as a fuel, you will therefore burn more calories. Therefore, although we shouldn't be looking at cal- like exercise as a means of burning calories, you will then be going into a net deficit more, more fat loss. Yeah. Right? If it's a preference and if people generate, like I've had people and they say, look, I just prefer my carbs around training, that's perfectly fine. But if someone comes to you and they're like, I definitely feel like I lose fat on carbs, um, then I'd, I'd have to trash that out with them. Like, yeah, yeah, do you know, um, I'd have to just challenge them on it a bit. And I'd remain open-minded if they come to me and they say, look, I'll eat the same calories for this amount of weeks of a balanced macronutrients or I'll eat the same of low carb and I bet you'll lose more fat. I'd be home to that. Yeah. But from what we know from both evidence and practically most people general population who are exercising regularly have good health foundations probably should be eating a diversification of carbohydrates yeah. both through fruit complex sources around training if especially if they're training as well do you think do you think nutrient timing is, is important for gen pop um for gen pop i think to some degree I, I i used to be in i used to be i actually kind of transitioned a lot like years ago i would have been um yes, you need nutrient timing. I would have been pre-post-workout, you have to have fats, which are carbs, the sodium, the gastric, and all this stuff, and I have to, like, you have to get carbs in, you know, anabolic window, all this stuff. When I first started to do it, because we all believe yeah, that stuff. Bro, yeah. Exactly, yeah, bro <laughs> science. But then I kind of transitioned, and I was like, over, because just looking into the science of it, more progressing knowledge, and I was like, nutrient timing, you're fine. If someone came to me, and they're like, Week, week one, you get people to ask a lot of questions when you send them on their initial or whatever. And they're like, um, oh, what about this? I'm working this time, but I'm training here. Is that okay with nutrient timing? I'm like, yeah, fine, don't work away. But now there is, I think there is some consideration, mainly just with regards to protein distribution, like just, just something I, I consider. Um, and more so from not a theoretical perspective of like you need 30 grams of carbs four times a day, more so practically to the point of putting nutrient timing as if someone has... Like if they come to me and they say, um, I had me, I had my breakfast, let's say, and I'm training at four. I didn't eat anything beforehand. Is that okay? Are you going to die? No. But will you be ravenous to the point that it could affect adherence? And then you go like off the wall if you're surrounded by something in the office. That's where the practicality aspect. Yeah, yeah. I look at it. Um, 
for gen pop I would just mainly consider like protein distribution so like very basic are you getting sufficient overall daily protein not that it's everything most people overshoot protein but if you're getting it's we probably better for most goals and for general population to distribute that evenly throughout the day yeah. so like 30 to 40 gram servings three four times a day is probably mostly beneficial and um, not even from the perspective of muscle gain fat loss but for general health as well as satiety being such a filling macronutrient that again it can prevent people from snacking picking mindless eating so that they're satiated and that's the only point i look at it for people that look at it in the perspective of like oh, I need 40 grams of carbs within 30 minutes and go into the fine details because it is one of those things that's realistic that you can get really zoned in on yeah. major and the minors. I think then that's a bit overlooked. Like. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So just on like supplementation, you know, should everybody be taking some form of supplements in your opinion, number one? Uh, if you think so, what supplements? Again, let's talk general population and then let's talk supplements that you feel people might get caught up in and they, in your opinion don't necessarily need i don't know it's person dependent but like yeah. what, what's your go-to for someone say general population yeah um again before i would have been like had most people on vitamin d before like uh, years ago it would have been probably a multivitamin vitamin d fish oil and depending on the population and if they had no prerequisites to harm creatine um, so any real issues or anything like that and um, whereas now I again I am a complete minimalist with regards to supplementation like I try to keep it as absolute minimal as possible mainly from a cost effective point of view because if we're dealing with like gen population clients it's obviously no they come in they're paying for a service of PT or nutrition then they have to buy their food then they have other commitments and if I'm giving them something a box of I don't know whatever uh, some a sleep, sleep supplement let's say that can help them sleep and that's 40 euro a month 50 euro a month some like something's expensive yeah. like and um, then I have to know that that is going to absolutely beneficial to them like because yeah. that, that, that like the, re, the, the reward for that for as an investment and practicality point of view just has to be good enough yeah. whereas now most people being honest that come to me is just omega-3 fish oils or krill oil if they can mainly because a lot of people either don't want to or don't like fatty fish yeah. and then creatine for a lot of males other than that I've strayed away from a vitamin D dosing mainly from the perspective of that most people don't need it unless they get their bloods done and the vitamin D levels so are low yeah. exactly okay. um, multivitamin mainly just through diversification of veg and taking micronutrients yeah. so I like, I like, I've re-transitioned into a complete minimalist like what's your theory on it do you give so I'd be I'd be similar in that. So again, I and I keep coming back, and this is why when I, when I talk and give talks to tell people, I I've done all these things. I've made yeah, these mistakes, yeah, yeah. and uh, not only some mistakes, but I've learned from them, and that's why so, I talk this way of them now. Yeah. But I bought all the supplements, or whatever. But like, no, it's I have a multivitamin, I have a fish oil. Yeah. That, that's what I take, and yeah. I take protein and creatine. Protein. That's yeah. that's they're my they're my go tos. For someone starting out, like you know, again, it's it's like this thing. Do I know a hundred percent that this is going to massively exactly. improve their lives? Yeah. If it's a no, then do they need to spend money on it? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, just to, I suppose maybe to explain to some people why people should be taking fish oil. So why, yeah. why we do take that one? Could you explain yeah. that? Well, like from again, if your intake of fatty fish is low, so like fish oil, omega trees, krill, krill oil, what we're mainly looking for there is like EPA and DHA, the two main form of fatty acid triglycerides that we're looking for, omega trees. Um, and it's massively associated with generous heart health, eye health, bone health, brain health, it, like basically everything. Not to mention that the fact it kind of indirectly helps with fat loss. Um, and it's mainly that, the point of that, it's one of those things that it's essential, obviously essential 
to the point that if you're not getting it through when I look at someone and if I like if I determine I need to give them something I look at their diet now I look like at what I'm going to prescribe them or what habit change I'm going to put in place and then I look at the missing links yeah. so I'm like does a supplement need need to be here so like again fish oil perspective is someone eating fatty fish now if yes they don't need it am I going to give them fatty fish do they like it can they afford it is it practical for them to cook do they enjoy it if none of those I need to give it yeah. if one of those I can give it mm-hmm. um, with regards to creatine Creatine um, monohydrate is just one of those things uh, we all know like it helps well like it's commonly known to help with recovery in between bouts due to like ATP. Yeah, <laughs> Pardon the pun. Um, but creatine is actually really cool um, to the point that it has really cool research into other areas such as um, it helps with you know people with fertility issues, it can help with gastric like delay and stuff like that, digestive enzymes, it can help with powering the hairs and hairs in your ears for hearing. So it has really cool like stuff, but I usually just give that to people who are newbies or beginners, male and female, like I've a lot That's of females. Yeah, for creatine. female like should I be taking creatine yeah. and understanding that there might be a slight bit of water retention. Yeah. Like I actually only did a pause and I really see that like it's just detaching yourself emotionally from the scales. Both yeah. males and females in that regard. Like I have males and obviously when you introduce creatine because for those of you that don't know when you choose creatine and um, say like you're dosing with five grams which is a standard dose you will probably put on two to three pounds because it pulls water intracellularly into the muscle which is a good thing because it gives you a more cellular hydration and b it gives you a fuller look so from a aesthetic point of view you look fuller you look like you look a bit bigger filler which is great um but when you give someone week one and their goal on their sheet or whatever a consultation form is fat loss and then you say okay here's whatever here's a starting approach and you meet your first consultation with them after that and they have gained two three pounds i always make sure that one if sort them the visuals first so that like oh well we look great and then make sure that they look at the numerical side of things because yeah. it's just attaching yourself emotionally because you will gain weight from that so let's let's go there so at the scales and i found like trying to like empathy is a big word i've learned over the years yeah. and, and learning to show that uh, that i'm i don't know i'm not that person they have different emotions and feelings towards scales mm-hmm. i just want the scales two or three years a day because it fascinates me i yeah. love seeing in the morning what i am what i am before i go to bed i love going to bed and, w- and waking up i'm like a kilo and a half lighter yeah, I think yeah. that's pretty cool to watch <laughs> yeah. so but that's my relationship with the scales i've seen it day in day out for years as a coach people have some really bad relationships with mm. the scales to a point that they'll jump on they'll be up a pound and it will absolutely ruin the whole day. Oh, yeah. Now, before, I, I'm guilty of, you kind of go on, stop giving all the stuff, just kind of bluntly saying, forget about the scales. Yeah. And I learned to show a bit more empathy and kind of realising yeah, yeah. you need to understand the scales are going to fluctuate. Yeah. And as much as people take on board the scales are going to fluctuate, they still, still can't grasp Yeah, it, still like, can't yeah. grasp it. So I suppose, like, from listening to you and hopefully myself, is that, like, you know, it's a measure. Yeah. But if you don't understand that it can fluctuate five, six times a day, mm. It's, it's not a good measure like you yeah. know can you explain like you know the fluctuations that can occur let's talk mainly female here like you know yeah because w- this one yeah why, why why and when you think like you know people should be very aware of this yeah like. to give to give a cool case study i had a client and um, i think it was like two weeks ago and she she's been with me a while now and she she was dropping all, oh no sorry she was dropping all along steadily so it was cool the scale was going down and we used that as a metric of progression as we do with other other measures of progression so it's dropping and then one day it, it dropped a lot um, because we did a reduction in calories and paired with other influencing variables, which we'll touch on in a second. She dropped a good bit. Like, usually it was like a pound, pound and a half a week. She dropped like three pounds or something. She was over the moon. Like, do you know what she meant? She was like, yes, it'd be so good. So straight away, I flipped the scenario and I said, this is brilliant, it's a win, but don't leave it dictate your mood for the day. And I was like, 
I do not want you to go around the day with a big smile on your face just because you saw that number going down because chances are it'll go back up tomorrow. Just as if someone came to me and they were like, oh, it's up a pound. And I'd be like, right, here's why it's up a pound. So like for females, for males and females, like the list of things of, like when you step on a scale, you have to understand most people, and again, from us as trainers point of view, they think emotionally before rationally. So when they see that number going up, they think emotionally, shit, what have I done wrong? Like, I have to do something wrong. Um, I'm nailing all the boxes. I'm sleeping well. I'm doing my steps. I'm eating, you know, I'm eating very well. I'm training hard. Why is it not dropping? But, like, I only had it from a client this morning. And he said he was up a pound. So I was like, cool. I was like, why, look, let's talk, let's trash through that. Like, and this guy's well experienced, like, and he, he, like, but automatically, I could see he was getting frustrated. So then I had to explain, like, when you step on a scale, it's a measure of your mass. It is a measure of, people think it's just fat. Like, you step on a scale, it's measuring just fat. Whereas it's bone density, fat, water, muscle, organs, all this stuff. Like if you drink too much water, drink too little water, have too much fiber, have too little fiber, get a tattoo, get sunburned on antibiotics, on anti-inflammatories, on your period, um, any of those things. If you eat like if you eat too late in the night, if you don't chew your food properly enough, chances are they're going to influence the scales. A big huge one of people completely don't look at as well is muscle soreness and training. Joe, like you all, I always personally find the clients that after a heavy lower body session or maybe a total body session, the weight will shoot up the next day. Mm-hmm. Reason for that, low grade inflammation, cell swelling, you're holding a lot of fluids in your legs, give it two to three days, it'll taper off. Yeah. Um, and that like, when you take into account, like if you go out in the sun, you get sunburned, you will you go and wait. If you get a tattoo, your skin will go inflamed, you go and wait. Mm-hmm. It's just about keeping all those things in mind. And just when you step on the scale, like you said, you can step on the scale at nighttime and see it go up. If that was 90% of people, they'd probably lose their mind. So it's, a bit, it's just about educating the person what's influencing that. Yeah. For some people then, I've had to do it a lot of time, is just say, right, we're going to ditch it. And like, we're going to use simply subjective measures, i.e. clothes, i.e. your energy, i.e. your sleep, how you're feeling. And then also objective measures, the main ones being the primary ones, pictures and clothes fittings as well as tape measurements. Yeah. And I'd always use those above the scales in a way. Yeah. Because a lot of scales is a measure of progress and it's very important. I still don't think, because uh, I know some people say, ditch it completely. Mm. I don't think that's too practical either for people yeah. because it is very important, obviously, especially for maybe very obese individuals. Yeah. Those are certain populations which you can almost guarantee you will see week on week drops yeah. because they have that extra large fat mass that it will drop off. But as they get leaner and for those leaner individuals, it's obviously you're more prone to see fluctuations. Yeah. That's where I think the, for a lot of people who have maybe, you know, a few pounds to lose, I don't want to lose a stone. Yeah. Like, those want to put two pound fluctuations you have to they're, they're not going to be massive yeah. in your overall body shape how you're yeah. feeling do you know so it's trying to again detach from it but I think it's it's a blame game of like you know people have been brought up that this scales is the only answer yeah. certain people won't mention the company but like have people queuing up to jump on a scale yeah. uh, weekly I just think it has its benefits uh, it gets people to lose weight who I think are quite overweight which they don't happy days yeah. but queuing to jump on a scale to be told good or bad is just it's yeah it's, it's madness like mm. and you know and it, but again you people who, who will go there and then come to us yeah and then you're trying to change that relationship yeah. uh what i've realized is that a lot of people are just don't have that education or understanding and of it and it's like, trying to so, so i think so you'll see as well some clients just get it there's yeah. days where after a while i was trying to go for like three years and so recently i was like You've got it. That's yeah, it. You have yeah, it. Yeah, You've yeah. nailed it. And it's like such a good feeling, but it's just trying to just give a little bit of education here and there yeah. rather than like trying to bombard somebody. But I think like the day you can jump on a scales and be up and book over it and up because. Yeah. 
one of these two factors, yeah. then I think you know on the scales. Yeah. But until that day, the scales are kind of in charge and you're trying to flip that relationship is... Yeah, and even like, I think it's important to empathise again, as you said, from personal perspective. I was just dying there up until holidays and even I myself still get it sometimes where like, I'm dying away, dropping pounds and then Sunday I'm up like two pounds and I'm like, oh, jeez, I'm up two pounds. And I'm like, I know all this that's stuff it, like, and I jump on and I'm like, why am I up two pounds? Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's why. It's, and it's, and it's very it's easy to forget that, you know, we do have the education, we were kind of trained in it, so it, it is easier for us and yeah. I always try to bring myself back into that, that client kind of mindset. Yeah. And it becomes, you know, I'm trying to just again explain to them, but I think just people listening to understand the scales, as you said, is one measure. Yeah. It's not the measure. Like, you yeah, know, so hopefully exactly. we can kind of take from that. Uh, the obesity epidemic, okay? So I suppose, on a grand scale of things, I'd love to have some sort of impact in obesity in mm. Ireland, okay? But my, my thing is, we talk about it, mm. but do we know what it is? Do we know, like, what the issues is? So my thing is that, Health isn't scary enough for people to take action. Yeah. Like aesthetics is. Yeah. Uh, holiday, yeah, yeah holidays, yeah. you know, whereas point. somebody thinking, I might get type 2 diabetes, I might get a, a stroke or a heart attack, like, you know, it's not until it's too late that people go, shit, I better do something here now. Yeah. What about, like, you know, how do you bring the fear of prevent, like, prevention instead of cure? Like, you know, mm. what's your take on, do, 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 do you look around and think there, there's no BC epidemic, first of all? I, I think you'd be absolutely mental think there isn't. Mm. Like from the statistics that just came out recently, with regards to childhood obesity, and that, like, what is it, one in four now yeah. is, is obese? And that uh, we now passed out Malta, like second most obese country in Europe, I think anyway, I'm pretty sure on that, um, close to be the most obese country in Europe by like 2030 or something like that. Like it's no, like we're getting worse. From like from like two thousand and five to twenty fifteen, we got better, and then like that went upwards again. What's to blame for that? I, I don't know. I really don't know. I think like again, you'd have to look on a massive larger scale of simply fitness. Fitness is a component of health and obesity and stuff like that. You have to take a big step back from that and look at the government legislations and look at like they're trying to put in this thing now vending machines in schools, all this type of stuff. And I think. I've actually read a few of the reports that came out recently on HSE, just on, like, they put in like 30 action plans of what they wanted to do. Did you read that, yeah? yeah. Um, and I was like, I was reading, I was like, some of them, yes, as an intervention, it probably would work, but I think it's down to solely educating the TDs and stuff as well. Because I'm like, I'm reading it and I'm like, what's that going to do? Yeah. Like, do you know? It feels like they're throwing something at the wall and yeah. like, see if this works. No? Yeah, it's, it's like, like loads, so much... loads, loads of different little things. Yeah. Instead of like, just like stepping, as you said, stepping back and yeah. looking at it as a, as a whole. Yeah. And uh, people, you said a couple of times, oh, you know, you definitely do with clients then, and I do quite a lot. It, it's this this question, why? All right? Yeah. People don't ask that enough. Yeah. So like, ask people, wh- why are you doing that? So what do you hope to achieve by implementing this? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, but why have we become obese? Like yeah. what has happened? Everybody's different. It's just such an individualized thing. Mm. But there is a general factor that's causing us to overeat. Yeah. And for me, it's in my opinion, it's I think we're obese because we don't realize the health factors. Mm. We don't understand. Mm. People don't understand that if they keep eating and aren't exercising or aren't, aren't burning it off, then their body just keeps storing fat. And as much as that might be hard to believe that people think, mm. a lot of people out there just think food is just food. Mm. They don't they don't see it in any other aspect. Like, you know That's that's actually a great point. But to touch on something else first, I think hugely associated with the obesity side of things is socioeconomic factors. Like although we are of the recession now, it's it's very clear that lower social class living is associated with higher obesity. Yeah. So obviously convenience food, like like if you went to get a salad and like chopped and stuff, it's tenor for a salad, like yeah. 
you know, that's, like that's, that. that's, that's, that. For some people, that can be a lot of money to yeah, pay for healthy food. Yeah. If you went to most places, chances are you'll get a chicken burger a lot cheaper. Yeah. Um, and again, although we can educate them all we want on calories in, calories out, movement, food labeling, all this stuff, energy balance, like behavioral change and taking into account social economic factors, which is much above our pay grade yeah. um, is something which is obviously massively influencing. Even take into account that the rate of children that walk to school is massively down in the last like, five years. Yeah. They don't, like, it, even though schools are being built more in closer proximity, they're, down, they're not walking to school as much. Yeah. Like so, we, we done a post uh, recently and I kind of said like, have you adapted your nutrition to your lifestyle? Yeah. So people haven't. So people have been eating a certain way. Yeah. And now our lifestyle has gotten more sedentary than ever. Yeah. Uh, yet we're still eating the same way. Exactly. You know, and that's why it's, when, I, when I keep talking about energy balance, it's only because I firmly believe in it. Oh, <laughs> that if it's like, yeah. you know, if people understand, I say to people, listen, and it's, it sounds a bit kind of a dictatorship is, but like, yeah. I'm like, you get a certain amount. Yeah. That's it. You get a certain amount of, yeah. of calories yeah. that you can have. You know, you're different to me and everybody else. But if you can figure that figure that down that number out, once you stay in around that figure, you'll either stay away if you want to, and you get you get the picture. But then I'm like, if you go over that, you're deciding to go over that, and when you go over that, your body goes into fat storage. Okay, yeah. so then it becomes your responsibility. Mm. If you're feeding your kid, mm. all right, and you figure out what what keeps them the same way, what kind of food, because kids eat kind of the same stuff, yeah, so week on week. Yeah. If, if you can figure out what they eat, and they're increasing in weight. You know, realize you should realize that they're increasing weight because you're giving them more energy than exactly. they need. Yeah. So you have to adapt it. So I'm not yeah. saying the kids on diets or anything, like that, but I'm saying if your kid is becoming overweight, it's from you feeding your kid. You're feeding your kid. 100%. So yeah. I'd love if there was somewhere for parents to come and be educated if they wanted that. Do you know if they want? And that's the thing. If they want that, you can't force anybody. No, but, yeah. but if there was somewhere like, all right, so you don't understand nutrition on a very basic level. Mm let's talk about it like you know yeah. and I, but I think it's that action of blaming other factors yeah when you when it's if you understand nutrition mm. if you understand energy balance yeah. how it works then you have I mean, well, that, call it power like yeah that would a little massive change even taking to it like if we did like even if there was centers set up to teach parents this and like to not even like not rewarding their children with food so it's simple stuff which has massive impact like i mean i know i was rewarded food when i was younger yeah. culturally ireland we associate a lot of things with food do you know what I mean? Sunday roast, yeah. all this type of stuff. We associate a lot of events with overeating, um, and uh, like as well as that, obviously we're massive drinkers and alcohol is something to take into account. But education for parents, and I think personally, I think it's quite. Although obviously we're still the obesity epidemic in Ireland and globally is still probably going up, especially in Ireland. And um, the childhood factor is quite scary. Like the fact that one in four children is now obese. Um, but yeah, there's all this funding put into legislations and stuff and I probably, again, I'm not saying I know the answer, I haven't read enough into it, just touched the surface, but like, it's still quite scary. One in four is like, that's soon going to become one in three. And, and that's the, what, what frightens me is that people say, oh, health is booming and I'm like, yes, yeah, it is, yeah. but it doesn't seem to be, like I, I was training a teacher here who I respect pretty well and she's a primary school teacher and she believes that like, you know, in a couple of generations time, it will flip. Mm. I'm not. I'm not sure, like because yeah. yes, some people are becoming educated, but again, not enough people. But are, I, like, yeah, you know I think mean? that that goes back to the fact that if you go into this bubble of fitness, yes, there's a lot of people interested. I get like I day on day inquiries. You get day on day inquiries. Business is booming. People have more disposable income to spend on coaching, yeah. on PT. Take yourself out of that and put yourself on a broader, broader scale of Ireland. There's not that many. Yeah. Do you know, like but, it's easy to look at it from that perspective of, of like people solely coming in and looking at. 
oh, it's definitely going to change because people are so much influenced in their health. But that's because looking in one dimensional perspective of health and fitness and mm-hmm. gym and stuff, whereas they take yourself out of that and we're nowhere near where we need to be. Like, if you have conversations with family and friends who are like, you realize quite quickly, not everyone yeah. is into it. Like, I've often yeah. conversations with my dad or some other yeah. people, and I'm just like, ooh, yeah. like, you don't, you have no interest whatsoever in this kind of stuff. Exactly. Like, yeah. So I was trying to just, I don't know, figure out these boards and see. Hopefully there's a change, but I just think education is the only factor. Like I, I can't see it happening until yeah. that, that actually We'll do happens. what we can, like. That's exactly it. <laughs> and it, it, it took a lot for me as well to come back and realise, you know, my friend kind of put me back in my box and was like, Ian, he goes like, change people in ATP first. And then, you know, walk from yeah. there and it's like that one person a day. If you it educate one person a day, you know, and it is kind of coming back from that grander scale and, yeah. you know, really enjoying getting that exactly. one person to yeah. get it and then kind of pass that on to their kids. Exactly. Whatever, like, you know what I mean? So like I said, people get caught up in diets, like, but what are the other key factors to health improving body composition that you feel people overlook? Um, I did a charity talk on this and I still, this was over a year ago and I still keep the same, I still stick by the same rules and that the three areas which I find people massively overlook and neglect that they could instantly be doing to help that get leaner, fitter, stronger, healthier, that are free are stress, sleep and your mindset with food. So stress management, effective like stress management through total like total allostatic load is a phrase which is basically means your total stress load. It's people think again going back to what I said of when I set up integrative and people thinking of two separate entities. Like when you get someone to go into a gym and they have a shit session and they just don't do well, they think they solely think oh maybe my pre workout meal wasn't good, maybe um, I'm just a bit tired today. Maybe it's because you got in a fight with your partner and went to the gym. Maybe it's because you've bills to pay and you're worried about it. It's all those factors. So stress management, that's something that is your total allostatic load. It's how much you're training, what's your caffeine intake, how much you're sleeping, all that together. Sleep because people just don't sleep enough. We know that statistically that people do not sleep enough. And it is amazing. Like once you, like without changing anything, once you get people to sleep more, everything else just slowly comes into place like and through the most simple techniques and mindset of food and what we already touched on just simple stuff like food labeling if i give you a mars bar and um, how do you use that how do you view that am i saying you need to eat a mars bar every day am i saying that having a mars bar is bad if you're good for you how do you view having that and um, how do you view your diet do you know do you view foods in a negative aspect do you have any contextual cues triggers overeating stuff like that and those are the three areas i feel with regards to not just body composition health that people massively overlook and it's something I quite try to hit home a lot with my coaching is those three areas that make sure that they're absolutely nailed yeah like definitely from a questionnaire point of view the thing we always see is stress is up around four or five or five yeah. people like and but then like I keep saying for frustration but it's just from years of coaching is like I ask people okay what are you doing about mm. it and mm. it's like nothing yeah oh we need to like you know don't and this is a mindset shift of like you know instead when something's happening to you you yeah. kind of decide i'm going to take action yeah or just let this thing happen to me yeah. you know what i mean and when you see stress out of five or so i'm not getting good night's sleep and then we ask we ask the questions and again it's just because we know it's like are you on screens before you go to bed do you know are you trying deep breathing techniques yeah do you know have you wrote in a journal about your stress yeah and it's like no 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 it's like okay so let's, let's try these few things yeah and when when people buy in and it's getting that buy in i think mm-hmm. as a coach creating buy-in is a big thing like so creating trust and that's from like social media and you know see your questions and stuff yeah and when so you, when you tell somebody okay we're gonna walk on your stress yeah like the food is, is we have food gonna cover we're gonna walk on stress now. yeah if your coach doesn't have buy-in they'll be like 
Yeah. They'd leave it off. But if you have buying as a coach, it's like, okay. Yeah. And, and it's that's where I think court, if any coaches listen to this, if you're new starting over there, well, you might struggle at the beginning. Exactly. But yeah. you do have to create that kind of trust factor mm. because 100%. some clients will do whatever you tell them exactly, to do like, yeah, and, yeah. and they, they see the results. Like, you know? yeah. So overlooking things like stress and sleep and just diving in to the nutrition and just the exercise, which is very important. Mm. But it's if you don't deal with that factor, when the nutrition or the exercise starts slowing down, mm. all these other factors are still here. That's what, like, I like yeah. to put it clients as like uh, laying the foundations of a house. So I'm like when they come to me first and they're like, the nutrition training stuff, they're bricks. We're building, like if you're building a mansion to get in your best shape possible, whatever, you gotta make sure those foundations are solid, like, yeah, you know, exactly. on how your approach, your diet is, on how you're stressed. And the thing is with stress and sleep and stuff, a lot of time it'll create like a negative feedback loop. Mm. So like someone who's, who doesn't sleep a lot, um, who doesn't pay attention to it, they just look at it as something that they need to do, let's say, yeah. that I have to sleep, okay? Do you know what I mean? Not as something that they want to do or that they view as very beneficial. So then they don't sleep, they're stressed because they don't sleep, they over-caffeinate, therefore they don't sleep more, and it's just a, it's a vicious feedback loop of yeah. like, they lie in on the weekends because they haven't slept during the week, that's just up in their sleepwake cycle, then they feel tired all the time, they feel groggy. And once you look into these things, people are like, whoa, I did not realize that. Yeah. So like, I, I had a client last week and, it's just something simple, like she was sleeping, she seemed to be sleeping well, and then like, she her, her sessions were poor, she was quite stressed overall from workload, and then she was like, she's waking up feeling groggy, so I said, look, set your alarm for half an hour earlier, get up half an hour earlier, she tried it for a few days, slept great, and felt great, and just for a slim, simple tweaking in her sleep-wake cycle, mm-hmm. making sure that she's getting even cycles, just has so much benefit. Yeah. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to just don't focus on the fine details of what I program for yeah. her, but just the aspect of that of something of a half an hour change and she literally felt so much better than yeah. it. Like that small change. And it's free. Like, and that, that's, that's the big thing as well. Like, you know? And I think people trying to just un- underestimate the importance of, of all these other factors. Yeah. Like, you know? So yes, the exercise and the training, and I say this like as someone who owns a gym, yes, they're important, but yeah. you know, look at the other factors as yeah. well and don't be afraid to ask, you know, if you are stressed or if you're struggling with something, don't be afraid to ask your coach yeah. or somebody else. But like a big thing I'd kind of move on to there is I've been called it quite a lot. I, I'm not against life coaches, but I don't see myself as a life yeah, coach yeah. at all. Yeah. But I definitely see the role of a PT has progressed. Oh yeah. So you have PTs who will come in, the PT, yeah, give you a session, happy days, clock out, go home. Coaches will kind of come in, give you a session, give you some nutrition info, you know. Then I see the next step. And I, I don't see it as life coaching. I see it as just an overall look at everything of your yeah. health so like your health coach more than anything else yeah so like that's where like we're looking at stress we're looking at sleep where do you feel the line is uh as a coach yeah that's a good question um i mean like one thing which is massive which is kind of coming out of it in the industry now is just like you might have heard a phrase like staying within your lane yeah like someone comes to me and they're like or oh, um the meniscus in my knee is fucked and you know my acl is gone and i need to like, uh, I can't do squats, legs down, I can't load in this pattern, and what should I do? And I'm like, oh, I don't know that, like, you know yeah. I mean? I'm like, you need to go to a physio, like. Um, or, but with regards to what you directly asked is, like, you have to hit a threshold of, like, I try not to, like, personally, I just think, I try not to just get into personal things, you know, because although I will empathize, and it is important for PTs and coaches to not just view yourself as someone as a rep counter. And within this industry, because it's so easy to buy in, you can go do a course, you can come back and get your qualification, you can earn decent money as a PT, starting out even, yeah. and you can just be a rep counter. You can make good money, but like, like that's the difference of the quality of service and that you have to, you know, how was your day? Like some, asking something, how was your day? Do you know, how's work going? Um, how are you feeling today? And even at that, it can actually progress the results, being able to actually coach and not PT, 
and as well as PT, sorry, and to the fact that like if you know someone has had a very, very bad day and they're stressed off their head and you can taper the volume of that session, you'll have them feeling better, you know? Yeah. You won't go in and try to hit a one RM squat if someone has just had 800 milligrams of caffeine, slept four hours and had a very bad day at work, yeah. you know? It wouldn't be the most wise thing to do. So asking these questions on such a simple basis, but then it would also, like I found, of progressing your PTing to coaching and building better relationships and getting to understand your client more and being able to empathize with them, it just helps the process so much more. Massively. They get more out of it, like yeah. 100%. And I think like, you know, again, as you touched on, if someone comes in, they're feeling crap, not feeling great. I'm like, all right, we've, this, this is our set routine we were gonna to do today. Now we're gonna slam some balls and ropes. Yeah. You know, and you're, you're gonna feel better leaving the session. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's just understanding that part of it as well. Yeah. And it's, it's about building a place of truth that they can come in and tell you that they're you know, not exactly. feeling great and stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's, again, it comes down to that buy-in, yeah. in my opinion. So now, I, I didn't have written down here to touch on, but it's something that I feel, for some reason, unnecessarily avoid talking about a lot when it's probably one of the main factors we have, yeah. is alcohol. Oh yeah, you know people as 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 an Irish mm. culture, like you know, we live we live for it, like you know, the weekend. Uh, yeah. Obviously, when it comes to weight loss, people just forget that there's calories in alcohol. Uh, can you explain? I don't know. Like, could you explain what alcohol does to the body when we start drinking it? You know, mm. and what this like alcohol's not bad, like no. you know, but it's understanding that if your goal is weight loss, yeah. how it's going to impact you. Yeah. So, alcohol, like, to touch on it first of all, like. Within the realm of people, gen, like the people that will be listening to this or watching this, um, gen pop, people that want to get healthier, happier, fitter, stronger. A lot of, uh, I find personally, people a lot of time when they start, they're like, I'm not going to drink for eight weeks. Yeah. I'm like, why? <laughs> why, are you, why are you not going to drink for eight weeks? Because the chances are, if you restrict yourself for six weeks, then you'll go all out. You know, it's unsustainable, unrealistic. Instead of going out twice a week, let's try once. Do you know what I mean? Instead of had it, having pints, let's try maybe some spirits with lighter mixers and less amount because you don't want to get absolutely smashed from yeah. them either. Um, but regards to alcohol itself, even I had a client a few weeks ago or um, last week, checked in and they were like, um, great week, went out two days a weekend for two occasions, um, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It was great. Um, and you know, I, didn't, I didn't have as much. That was fantastic. And I was like, okay, so you didn't have as much on the night but throughout the weekend, your units of alcohol are quite high. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not talking from a fat loss perspective, I'm talking from a general health perspective. Never mind the fact of hangover and stuff, your productivity will be through the floor, yeah. um, and your sessions and everything will be affected. But from a general health perspective, that much units of alcohol just obviously isn't advisable. Um, with regards to alcohol itself, it gets like, it's treated as a toxin within the body. So ethanol gets priori primary, priority metabolism. So when people, this is kind of a mindset thing as well, is that people used to think back in the day that uh, alcohol caused, um, well, especially in the fitness industry, that alcohol caused direct fat storage. Um, and the reason for that was because when you ingest food, maybe it's a balanced meal of carbs, proteins, fat, and you have a pint. A lot of people do, you go for, you go to the pub, you have chips or whatever, you, yeah. you have a dinner and a pint. The, the ethanol gets priority metabolism, so the chances of the nutrients in the food has increased likelihood to be put into adipose tissue because the ethanol gets priority metabolism because it's treated as a toxin, your body sees it as a toxin and wants to get rid of it straight away. So as well as that, the calorie, like you have to take into consideration, the calories per gram of alcohol is quite high, yeah. seven calories per gram with some upwards of eight, eight and a half ping on the alcohol. Other things to take into account with alcohol would be the colour of the alcohol. Um, so the darker colour, you're more likely to get a hangover the darker colour, um, you're more likely to have physiological effects. I always tell clients, um, 
that when they're training, to try to train as separately away from alcohol is it there. So if you're going out on a Saturday night, I say I try to train early Saturday morning. The reason why is because we know that alcohol has a lot of negative physiological like effects on hormonally and yeah. physiologically with regards to IGF-1. So your glucose uptake of carbs will be decreased, your muscle protein synthesis will be decreased. All this stuff, if we want after training, that these hormonal regulations that we want are going to be massively down-regulated. Yeah. Um, so that's why simple advice I people tell to go out is just, Try to separate your session from your session. Yeah. Try to separate you know, your actual training session in the morning from the evening. Bank some calories because obviously it is very calorie dense. So without going into overanalyzing things, because I think when you go into like, if you're there with my fitness pal and you're trying to track yeah. Smirnoff ice, you know, like that's, that, that can cause anxiety and yeah. stuff. Simple allowances of cutting out some fats and carbs for the day, just keeping protein and veg high so you stay full and then just going and enjoying a few drinks. Yeah. The biggest thing I find with alcohol is the after effect. Yeah. So the day after, when you're on the couch watching a series and you feel sorry for yourself and they're getting dominoes and stuff, I'm like, there's absolutely nothing wrong going out once a week, enjoying stuff socially, because again, health is inclusive of social factors. So you have to include social outings as part of health. I would argue that going out once a week and enjoying yourself with friends compared to restricting yourself on a chicken and broccoli diet for eight weeks, I would argue that going out is more healthy yeah. because it includes social factors and that takes into account the mental aspect of things. Mm. But just how you go about it, you know, not doing yeah. the dog on an eater and go, like binge drinking, obviously. Blind, absolutely exactly. Drunk, yeah. like, you know, and I think it's, it's important, a big one frustration for me and clients know very well at this stage with me, don't come into me hungover. Yeah. Like, don't come in and train hungover. Like, yeah. Your body does not want to train. It's the last mm. thing it wants to do. So it's sweating it out thing mentality. Like it's that's the next thing I touch on. Yeah. Do you know, yeah. I just I just think it's it's dangerous yeah. more than anything else. I I've had people come in, I've sent them home. Do you know, glassy yeah. eyes. Yeah. I say they sweat out. No. Yeah. You're already like, like, dehydrated. Yeah. You're you're dehydrated. You're more unit recruitment again. Another physiological effect. Your ability to recruit muscle fibers. Your ligament and joint your elasticity is going to be so down that your risk of injury is going to be significantly higher the day after. And you always see the people like, I'll do a massive session the day after to sweat it out. Yeah. Or again, going back to a mindset side of things, to look at it as a exercise, as a form of energy output. Yeah. So they're like looking at, I'm going to do a massive hit session to burn a thousand calories and it'll burn off last night. Yeah. The minute you start looking at exercise as a form of output and not a stimulus is where you start running into trouble. Mm. Exercise is a stimulus. It's like people, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's like people looking at cardio as um, just a form of burning calories. Yeah. So I do 400 calories twice a week, whereas like I try to say to people, look at it as a stimulus. I'm doing 30 minutes of cardio at 75% or I'm at 75% like max heart rate, staying between 120 and 140 beats per minute so I can create adaption, yeah. so I can work on my fitness. The simple thing of looking at that Different. and going into a session the next day after being hung over everything can have massive effect. Yeah. I think though, like it comes back one of the questions I was asked uh, when I showed up, and like, it just kind of shows again that people you know, don't fully understand you, but you said it there, what, what you should exercise for as a stimulus. But someone asked, like, you know, how many calories should I burn through exercise a day? Yeah. Like, you know, and yeah. it's, it is that. It's like understanding that exercise is not for that. Yeah, no. Exercise is for no. all these other things. These yeah. are all massive health benefits. Yeah weight loss like calorie burn mm. like that's just a little bonus that you might get yeah. and again when it comes to general population people some people go absolutely hatch it will burn 500 calories in a session yeah. majority of people are, are going through the motions we're mm. still getting a workout getting the benefits of physical exercise but you're probably burning 200 calories 250 yeah. calories don't go away thinking oh, i've now earned 500 no. calories exercise itself burns very little yeah that that's yeah. like that's the relationship of like i'm training to you know instead yeah. of training for yeah to exactly. and it's, it's kind of creating that relationship one of the other questions is just when we're here is that uh, someone's asked like is is there too, such thing as too much veg? 
Um, just there's a such thing as too much anything. Yeah. There is. Um, but to be fair, you'd want to be slamming vegetables getting too much. Um, I think most of the people, in general, not just in this, but in general, most people do not eat enough veg. So is there enough? Yes, to the point of that. Especially if you have specific gut issues, you know, and um, if you have the verticalitis, something like that. If you have something in your microbiome, your gut that isn't fully right, and um, you might need to pay something attention to that. If you have um, IBD, something you may need to pay attention to cruciferous veg, certain types of veg. Um, in general, if you have absolutely no health issues and you eat too much veg, fiber intake would be too high and that could cause, to reflect on what we touch on, you might gain weight, again, from holding stool in your gut. Um, or you might just find things move too quickly from too much fiber. Um, and again, your digestive health might not be the best. Um, but being honest, yeah. you wouldn't have to worry about yeah, that. Yeah, like. you're eating quite a lot. Uh, so... What would be your top tips to anybody watching this now and maybe struggling with weight loss or is always on that yo-yo diet path? Like, what would you say to them to try and switch the mindset? That's almost, it's a simple question, it's a tough question. Yeah. Um, I would say, I think that with gen pop people, as I said, relating to the audience of who you train, you coach, and why you train, why you coach, is that you have to get the foundations right first. Um, sleep stress but massively I just find when people inquire is the mindset side of things do you know simply um, people freaking out being like oh, I have an occasion this weekend what am I going to do do you know and the, the anxiety is through the roof and then or they need to like um, they forgot like if, if they're on a meal plan and I, I like I use meal plans but I don't like to rely on them um, if they forgot a meal and they lose their shit because they forgot a meal and they can't make simple nutritional choices because of that stuff like that simple mindset stuff paves the way for all the future that comes to come Again, that lays the foundation for any fat loss goal to come because you can stick to the meals given and you can neglect all the mindset side stuff and you can get leaner and leaner, but there's chances are of relapse are a lot higher. And that's where you see these yo-yo diets occur because they go into unrealistic and unsustainable approaches that are probably highly restrictive and not specific, um, as well as being drastic. So pair all those things together and they get great results. They might get great results and then they relapse yeah. and that's yo-yo up and down and the reason is because they didn't address those underlying factors yeah. so that would be my best advice to just address the foundations of mainly mindset side of things um, broadening not just getting the methods so not just getting given stuff and be going and doing it but understanding yourself asking questions understanding principles simple principles so that you yourself can be empowered your independence can be improved your skill set your confidence in your ability to take over your own basic choices of health can be then be improved so that you don't need to rely on a meal plan or macro tracking long term like you know Brilliant.